This entire podcast is MSG free. This is Secret Ingredients with your hosts, Kate Eirich and Kausta Vedantam. So, today, before coming into the studio for dinner, I had uh, Chinese food. Was it any good? It was it was all right but for okay. its price it was good for its price fair enough yeah so in the uber eats description box it says say something that you would like to talk to the kitchen staff about and i was like if you have any if you use any in your food can you please give me extra msg on the side and these brave souls did it in uh today i feel like it's still not safe to openly admit that you're using msg yeah, um, I think that that's something really interesting that people aren't open about using MSG usually. Not a thing you would list in your ingredients if you could help it, right? But like, why? Like, it it doesn't. I mean, I I don't know. It it, it seemed from a chef's perspective, at least the way the what MSG is used for is to develop umami. Um, most, what is umami? So umami is known to be one of the five basic tastes out of sweet, salty, sour, bitter. Umami is the last one. Most cultures have some spectrum of these tastes, so they usually like lean towards a couple of them. For example, Japan, it, most Eastern cultures are the cultures that have recognized umami components, like in Japanese cultures where like their entire culture revolves around umami. A lot of Asian cultures use like stuff like fish sta- fish sauce. Uh, stocks, broths, um, anything with, again, umami flavor, and they use that for a lot of their bases in, in, in food. So while the Japanese really are the main people that uh, base their entire culture around umami, I found that Indians also do use umami. They just call it a different thing as do many cultures. So instead of the five basic conventional scientific tastes, Indians base their culture off of sweet, salty, sour, spicy, and this thing that's a balance of all those four that kind of encompasses the whole mouth, it's called chatpata. So this... chatpata, that's... It's umami, right? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's umami because umami is that flavor that's like savory, that coats your tongue and your whole mouth. That, like, it gives you that depth. That's what chatpata is. Um, so while the Japanese use bonito or konbu or soy sauce or stocks or broths, Indians, they don't use really many stocks in their curries. Um, instead, they use tomatoes, which have a very umami. Mm-hmm. And um, they also use something called hing. I'm not sure that everyone out there knows, but my Indian people, you know what's up. So, so I'm actually not sure about hing, but I do know something special you know about tomatoes. Is, apparently. Uh, tomatoes have MSG in them, naturally. Yeah. They have naturally occurring MSG. Right? Yep. Uh, not just glutamates, but specifically monosodium glutamate, which oh, is wild. what MSG is. Um, so basically, each of those five tastes that you mentioned, there's sweet, sour, salty, bitter, umami. And each one of those taste sensations, which are the only things that you actually taste on your tongue. Something that a lot of people don't know, they think, oh, if you can taste good, that means you can, like, taste all flavors better. But um, the whole... They're all really just combinations of those five? Well, it's a, it's a little bit that they're all combinations of those five. But additionally, most of what we consider flavor actually occurs up in your nose. Which, I mean, you can, like, feel that when you eat something in your mouth, things go up your nose, especially when you're eating something like wasabi, where mm. it just kind of knocks out your... Uh, 
sinuses yeah. up there. So but, that's why when you're sick, you can't taste stuff. Oh, yeah, exactly. Or Noticeable. like um, onions actually have quite a bit of sugar in them, which, of course, you know if you've ever caramelized an onion. Mm-hmm. Um, but that means that when you're really sick, you bite into an apple versus biting into an onion. Um, besides the fact that you might have that sensation from the uh, compounds in the onion, like kind of burning a little bit. <laughs> Beyond that, they'll both just taste sweet and they'll be very, very similar in flavor. So... So have you proved, have you tested this? Have you actually bit into an onion before? I have family that has you bitten into family. onions before. You have family. I have family. That is. I haven't, I haven't, I haven't done it before. But anyways, what I wanted to get at with these five things is mm-hmm. that the your taste buds, very specific taste buds will um, react to certain molecules in your food. And so uh, when you think about a salt, um, salt will make it flavor taste salty, uh, a sweet, uh, normally a sugar is something that will trigger that sweet sensation. A sour mm-hmm. is the taste of acids. It's why certain products that we consider savory have this MSG in them. Uh, a glutamate is a base amino acid, which we have amino acids in our body. Um, amino acids are what we build proteins out of. And there's this very specific... Building blocks of life. They're the building blocks. Amino acids are some of the building blocks of life. Oh it's like amino acids and yes, uh, fatty take acids. Me back to my third grade classroom. Yeah, here we go. Amino acids, your fatty acids, nucleic acids, and carbohydrates. Carb- yeah, those things. Carbohydrates. But those are the four things. That we should eat less of. Right, yeah. But... That that was last week. Yeah, this week we're facts. talking about this stuff. But all of those things, they're the four things necessary for life. So it's natural and there's nothing dangerous about it whatsoever. Well, I mean, there are natural things that are dangerous. But in this particular case, yes. It's okay. natural. Yes. It's in everybody. Um, it's same thing, actually, cholesterol. Cholesterol mm. is in every single one of your cells. It is vitally important to the way that your cell boundary works. Uh, you know, we say cholesterol's bad because eating too much of it can be. Monosodium glutamate, which is a glutamate, it's the salt of a glutamate. I'm sure if you ate too much of that, it would also be bad for you. If you eat too much of anything, it's bad for you. If exactly. you drink like five liters of water in an hour, you can die. Yeah, facts. Monosodium glutamate is a sodium salt of glutamate. And it is one of the most commonly used flavor enhancers in food processing in general. That um, if you're eating some sort of a processed food and it's savory, there's a fair chance it has MSG in it. Uh, Doritos, MSG, Cheeto, MSG, mm-hmm. all of those things, MSG. Mm-hmm. You buy a box dinner, there's a fair chance that has MSG in and it. Deli meats, MSG. <laughs> Most of your favorite chips, MSG. It's all MSG. Um, because MSG is the best at bringing out this flavor. MSG alone actually doesn't have much of a strong or pleasant flavor at all. Mm, yeah, just a white powder. Pure MSG uh, is just a plain white salt, a white powder. If you eat it while you have that savory taste, another savory taste in your mouth, or even just a savory aroma, it can trigger that sensation and make things taste savory. It's used in a lot of different foods. Like, as you mentioned, uh, in Japanese culture, they use it a lot. So it's found in ramens. But you can also find it in, like, bouillon cubes and soups, gravy, stews, condiments. Mm-hmm. The only reason why, like, in higher-end restaurants or artisanal restaurants, you won't find them advertising that they use it or oftentimes they don't use it is because it's kind of seen as an easy way out in the industry, even though it is not harmful and, you know, nothing like that. But like it is seen as an easy way out because if you use that, then you're kind of saying like, I can't develop flavor on my own. A lot of these chefs take pride in being able to like 
develop their super strong umamis from like fermented fish and roasted pork neck bones and smoked ham hocks. Take uh, David Chang, for example. Like, he doesn't use any MSG. And he takes pride in that. Yeah, you don't use MSG, but you're still getting MSG into your product, but you're just doing it by processing other mm, foods into exactly, it. Exactly, yeah. So right now, if you buy MSG, and you can, just like a bottle of it, in it's a liquid. When it's isolated, it's a salt alone, but as a liquid is how they normally add it to foods, just because mm-hmm. they dilute it slightly, and it's easier to use. They can get it from vegetable proteins. They can directly synthesize it. And what they tend to do now is ferment it using bacteria because bacteria also can produce MSG. Um, but all these different things, they are coming from nature somehow and turning into MSG. And MSG, it's in, like we mentioned, it's in cheeses, mushrooms, everything, tomatoes. Mm, yeah. And so when uh, you have these chefs that are making it, they might not be using isolate, uh, MSG isolate in their food, but they're still using MSG. They they don't like using isolate MSG because they like coaxing it out of their ingredients because that's their job or that's what they feel like their job as chefs is to be able to like take this like product that hasn't been processed or has been processed very little and then coax certain things out of them. Yeah. Like if every chef like used MSG then like it would be a lot easier and we probably wouldn't get paid as much. I mean. um, but at the same time, it just it makes me laugh because there's so many people who insist that they can't eat MSG and it gives them a headache, right? And yeah, it makes them no. sick, that... but their food all has it. It has MSG yeah, in it. Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's the thing. The whole like craze about MSG being harmful for you and whatnot all goes back to about 1968, where a letter was sent to the editor of the New England Journal of Medicine from Dr. Robert Homan Kwok. And um, that letter was published, the letter basically saying that Dr. Robert Homan Kwok, I will now refer to him affectionately as Dr. Rob, um, Dr. Rob observed subjects having strange syndromes when having Chinese food from restaurants of northern China, end quote. Though he went on to list cooking wine, soy sauce, salt, or MSG as possible causes, xenophobia drove the American public to herald the coming of its next big villain, MSG. The editor that published the article called its new false foe the reason for an even phonier disease, called Chinese Restaurant Syndrome. Have you heard about this before? Uh, I have, actually, and I know people personally, which I'm sure everyone who's listening does, somebody who refuses to eat MSG or doesn't like eating at Chinese food restaurants specifically because they say that it makes them sick. Now, they might not call it Chinese Restaurant Syndrome because... That's racist. It's a little bit racist. <laughs> yeah. Just because, like, they don't have a name for it. They just say, oh, MSG makes me sick. But then they'll sit down with you at the same yeah, thing. Exactly. You're eating out of a bowl of nacho cheese Doritos, yeah, and yeah. they're like, MSG makes me sick. Like well... Chef David Chang... Momofuku revolutionary himself on his special Ugly Delicious was one of the first famous chefs to speak out about MSG. He held experiments on, you know, Ugly Delicious and went to meetings with those who were MSG sensitive and told them, you say you have problems eating Chinese food. You say you have these headaches and all these symptoms, but you can eat Doritos, Pringles, ham sandwiches, and pre-bought seasonings without these same headaches. And all of those products, all of them have MSG in them. And so he's sort of like 
is trying to raise awareness about like this wrong that needs to be righted. And now we are too. Absolutely right. It's been proven multiple, literally since the 70s. We've been doing blind studies and proving that MSG doesn't do anything bad. If you look it up right now, it'll tell you it's safe to consume. There's no data that says that it's bad for you, right? There's nothing that it causes chronic disease. There's nothing that it could. There's some anecdotal links between MSG and asthma, um, which haven't been causal association with that that doesn't really seem to be correlated at all actually something interesting uh the median lethal dose which is the ld50 it's used a lot to determine whether or not certain substances are toxic you would have to take 15 to 18 grams per kilogram of body weight of msg for it to be a lethal dose uh, which is five times the ld50 of sodium chloride which as you know is just table salt Mm. msg is less dangerous than table salt even though we've been proving since the 70s that MSG is not bad for you. When it was said in the 60s that it might be, there still is very pervasive notion that it is still bad for you. Asthma users saying that it triggers asthma attacks or people saying just like, oh, it makes my head hurt and my tummy feel bad. Mm. It's like that weird placebo effect that like once the media like publishes something, it's out there. Basically, MSG is not scary when eaten in heavy huge quantities it is unhealthy for you but then again what isn't and i don't even think you can say it's that unhealthy for you in large quantities that's true salt's more dangerous than it right yeah Yeah. salt's more dangerous and if you think about three grams of salt literally like packaged rum and like one of the saltiest things that you can buy and make for yourself that has two thousand milligrams of salt in it that is Two grams of salt in that product, right? Yeah. But it takes three grams per kilogram of body weight to be anywhere close to dangerous of salt. Yeah, so for me, that would be 200 grams of salt. I'd have to eat 200 packets of ramen to actually, like... Well, 100 packets of ramen. 100 packets. And you would have to eat 500 ramen packets worth of MSG in order to, like, even come close. Even to, like, that's that's to be lethal to half the population. You need more than that. Yeah, it's... <laughs> it's so much. You can't even say it's dangerous. Cause if the you're thing not is... Matt Stoney, you don't have any worries at all. You don't know who Matt Stoney is. Do you? No. Okay, he's a professional food eater. He's a competitive eater. Even if you are Matt Stoney, you don't have anything to worry about. Because you're never going to sit down and eat 500 bowls of Top Ramen. I think he's done like 20 or something. This has been Secret Ingredients, a WNYU production. My special thanks this week goes out to all of our wonderful listeners. Thank you so much for tuning in. I love you. Join us next week when we add another ingredient to the list.